if you're all right, I won't stand on stage because I feel like Goliath. <laughs> when I'm up there, it's like I see way too much. It's, uh, let me be down here where I'm most comfortable, if you're good with that this morning. Lord, thanks for the beautiful Sunday morning. Thanks for the amazing weekend to be in this place to celebrate, to worship, to relax, to take a deep breath from a world that is in turmoil. Lord, may you calm our hearts as we leave this place today, and may you be glorified in us. In Christ's name, amen. Well, in case you don't know me, my name's John Bowl. I'm the interim executive director here at Lake Christian Camps. And I don't know how you got here on Friday when you arrived, or Thursday, or whatever day you came, but for me, I'm amazed at how many maps, GPSs, that we now have on our devices. There's Google Maps, and Google Maps will bring you one way to camp. There's Apple Maps that'll bring you a different way to camp. My personal favorite is Waze because it tells me where the police officers are at on my way to camp. <laughs> Just be honest. But it always, there's always these maps, and they keep coming up. And, and I remember the first time I ever came to Yume Lake, it was a four feet by 15 feet paper map that you never could fold ever again. And we'd throw it in the back seat and hope to find the map how to get to wherever we were going. Well, this morning, that's kind of a little bit how I feel. Of, I have so many things in my head, so many things in my heart about this place, and now sitting and standing in the executive director's role, there's, there's two things that I stand on a Sunday morning attention within me of which map do I use this morning as I was thinking about where do we go? Can I ask Siri or should I ask Alexa? Finally, I just asked my wife because let's be real, that's, she's the one that's going to be right anyway. And so this morning, <laughs> yeah, you, you, should, you should say amen, my wife, is, my wife is here. So this morning, I'll kind of give you the map of where I hope we can go. I want to start with, with a, a passage of Scripture that you're going to be really familiar with, and I'm just going to look at two verses of the passage that you're really familiar with, the Great Commission passage. But then I also want to give you a little bit of an update of, of where's Hume, where are we at in these days? And where are we going as an organization? And if I have enough time in the journey, if we don't get lost along the way, I'll talk a little bit about the updates of what God's doing in the ministry. And finally, if there's time, and if Tim doesn't give me the hook at some point in time, I'd like to give just a few minutes for you to ask questions because there's a lot of change right now at Hume. A lot of change. There's a lot of change in our world. Right? We're coming out of a global pandemic, and there's no one in the room, not even Mike Drake's old enough, to remember a previous pandemic. I, I love Mike Drake. He's my favorite target to pick on when it comes to old, because he's older than me, and that's a good thing. I appreciate Mike so much. But we're coming out of a, a something that no one, the world has never experienced. And so I want to turn our attention just for a few minutes this morning. That's kind of where we're going. That's the the ways I hope to accomplish. You can let me know at the end of the time if, if we made it or if we're 
stuck in a gas station somewhere along the way. But Matthew 28, you're very familiar with the passage. Go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to love God, love people. That's not exactly the verse, but teaching them to, and baptize them in the name of the Father, into the name of the Son, into the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that Christ taught us. But I want to look at the verses just before that. So in Matthew 28, verse 16, it says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And I'm going to stop right there. I want to, I want to make sure we look at the context. I have two kids right now, both in seminary. And so they're trying to get their master's degrees. And I remember when I was in seminary and trying to think through, it's like, Context, Dad, context. I keep hearing you. Better be in context. I hear my professors. The context of the passage is simple. Matthew 28, Jesus just died on the cross. The 11 disciples just experienced, witnessed it, watched it, everything that went on. They watch him die. They see him resurrected in Jerusalem. And he says, Go to Galilee. So if you've ever been to Israel, Jerusalem, here, Galilee, here. And I love the passage of Scripture for where we're at. He said, go to the mountains. Come to the mountains. You've been at the mountains. And I think there's a couple of reasons why they went to the mountains. The mountains were from there, depending on which mountain. It doesn't tell us in the passage which mountain they went to. But the mountain, from the mountains, you can see some amazing things. You can see the distance. If they went to the Golan Heights, they could see Damascus. And it was the perfect context for Jesus to say, go. Or if it was over at Caesarea Philippi, he could have, they would have been reminded when Jesus stood in that place and said, upon this rock I will build my church. In the context of that beautiful mountain, referring to himself of building the church and where he was going. But he says, go back there. Go back and remind in that place the things that I've done. And when they saw Jesus come, so they go. And when they saw Jesus come, but before I go there, because I looked at my notes and the map said, whoops, just a turn, he sent the 11. Can you name them? Can you name the 11 disciples? Peter, John, James. Thomas, Matthew, Philip, Nathaniel, Thaddeus, Bartholomew. If you turn to Luke chapter 6, you'll find the list. Because that's where I've got to go to get them all right every time I look at it. So in Luke chapter 6, verse 14, it says, here they are, all 11 that are still remaining. Let me get to verse 11 and put on my glasses because I can't read it in this type print. Simon, who's called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who's called the Zealot, Judas, the son of James, and that's 11 and then 12 hung himself because he betrayed Christ. 
So he sends those 11 guys who had just spent three years with Jesus to the mountains because he's coming to give them a message. And here's what he says back in Matthew. When they saw Jesus coming, they worshiped and some doubted. That surprised me when I was thinking through that passage. Wait a minute, time out. Here's 11 guys who just think of what they just experienced over the last three years. Think through that for a minute. Jesus said, follow me. Matthew's gathering taxes and he says, come on, Matthew, Levi, let's go. He says to Peter and John, throw the nets at a different place. And they are going like, what? And they do, and there's fish more than they could imagine. The brothers tell each other, go get the sons of Zebedee, because they got to hear what's happening, who this man is. And over the course of three years, think about the things that they witnessed and watched him do. He turned water into wine was the first thing that was pretty amazing. For a lot of reasons, none of which I can talk about at Eve Lake. <laughs> he healed people from a distance, right? The soldier's daughter said her fever's gone. He cast demons out of a man in the cemetery and threw them into pigs. They've witnessed all of these things. They witnessed his hometown turn on him. They witnessed, finally, as he performed miracle after miracle, came to the place where just before his own death, he goes to Bethany, and what's he do? His best friend. Lazarus, come out. Come out. They watched him raise Lazarus from the dead, and then, in the Passion Week, they watch him fulfill what they didn't understand. They watched him from a distance. Some of them scattered after Gethsemane. John, the only one that stayed with him all the way to the cross. And then they're hiding in the upper room and all of a sudden, there he is. Man, what I wouldn't give for that. Wouldn't it be cool? I mean, what would we do? I, I see what they did. They worshipped when Jesus showed up. Did they stand and sing? Did they stay seated and sing? Or as Philippians said, I think my personal belief is... In Philippians 2.9, it says, I believe what they did. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. I often wish, Dom, that we could bow when we worship. I, I love to stand most of the time when my legs are up to it. I love to raise my hands at times, not very often. I'm not a big hand-raising guy because I feel like I'm blocking three, four pews behind me. <laughs> But Philippians tells us that at the name of Jesus, they'll bow. What would that be like if we did that some Sunday morning? 
moved the pews, moved the chairs, and just bowed prostrate before him. Think about what he just did. He was just dead, and now he's alive. And yet, he could written my name in here sometimes. They doubted. What did they doubt? I was pondering that earlier this morning. What did they doubt? Those 11 guys who had witnessed it with their own eyes, saw it with their own eyes, heard it with their own ears, touched him with their own hands, and yet they still had doubt. But they worshipped. Even in the middle of doubt, they worshipped. Didn't say here were... Here was Matthew and Thomas and Andrew. They're over here not worshiping. They're over here doubting. And the other eight, eight are, stand, are, are bowed worshiping Jesus. No, it says they all worshiped him. And yet in their own hearts and minds, there was doubt. And I love what Jesus says in the very next verse. Because we always want to jump to go, Right? That's where we always want to jump to because that's missional. And you'll hear about our mission in a minute because it was, it was guys who went and who've gone and we've done some things. But the first thing he has to remind them of is who has the authority. He says, all authority is given to me. Speaking of Jesus. Hmm. What's all mean? All means all, and that's all, all means. It's deep, isn't it? All means all, and that's all all means. So does he have authority to give them a command to go? Absolutely. Does he have authority to calm the sea? They witnessed that. Does he have authority to raise people from the dead? They watched that. Does he have authority to raise himself from the dead? All authority rested with Christ and still does. And so they worshiped, and he said, All authority is given to me, now go. In that authoritative name. So, 200 or 2,000 years later, in 1946, Go, start a camp in the middle of nowhere in the mountains so that people can come to this place and have an encounter with him. And so that's the mission of Hume Lake Christian Camps, that everyone who comes in contact with this global ministry will accept Jesus that they will grow in their faith. That they will establish the priorities of prayer, Bible study, commitment to a local church, and that they will commit their life to service to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that 
the focus will always be upon youth because they are the next generation that will take that message. That is the mission of Hume Ministries because it's no longer Hume Lake Christian Camps. It's now Hume in a much bigger way. God, for 65 years, kept us in front of the lake. In my opinion, maybe the most photographed place on earth. <laughs> I've watched and I've seen more photographs of that lake over 65 years, 76 years, than you could possibly imagine. And God sends folks to the mountain to hear the authoritative voice of Jesus that comes from not my iPhone, but the Word of God. So that that will take that Word of God. When they encounter, they have an encounter with Jesus in this place, and we're committed to that. And it's a fascinating place for me to stand in the, in the, on the shoulders of, if you will, the Walt Workingtons, the Kenny Poors, the Bob Phillips, the Jeff Lillies, the Mike Anthonys, the Dathan Browns. And now God's put me in an interim role in that seat. And can I share just, sometimes that scares me. Sometimes I have doubt. Because I don't want to mess it up. And I don't want to do something that changes the ministry or that impacts. And then I realize, John... Get back to the book and realize that all authority comes from Jesus when we fix our eyes on him, the author and finisher of our faith. Mm, I've hit puberty again. <laughs> Sorry. I hope I don't grow. <laughs> That'd be bad. Yeah, at this age, you don't grow. You grow. <sighs> Either way, I hope I don't grow. But... As, as we think about where's Hume going into the future, in this season, I don't know how long I'll be in this chair. None of us do know how long we'll be anywhere. So I've chosen not to focus on that, but to look out the front windshield and say, where is Hume going? It's no longer the lake. It's now the lake. But it's also for the last 10 years, starting our 11th year, it's in New England. And it's in now Southern California. And God is doing some amazing things. We come out of the pandemic with total change. There used to be a day in Hume's history whenever the, the mass amounts of summer camp produced enough revenue, enough finances to build this property out, and uh, we could continue to do adult ministry in the fall, winter camp in the winter, guest groups could come, spring would come retreat time, and, and we'd recycle back to summertime and focusing on the youth and the ministry of what that, the, what that was happening. And the, the resources that God provided always has in 76 years. We've never missed financial responsibilities. And when I first started, I used to hear Mike talk about it, and, and all, uh, many of you still talk about the rough fire of 2015 or the fire of 1972 or the one that almost burned down Wagon Train. 
And it was always, and I've heard the phrase a thousand times, God's hand over Hume. I've heard it and I've reheard it and, and, and it's been true. I, I, there's no question about that. But one of the neatest things that's happened in the pandemic for me personally, and I think for the development team, is that was our fire experience. I always heard Mike talk about it, and he would, he would reference it, man, or the firefighters. I've talked to Bobby, uh, and he said, you know, the fire came to here, and fire doesn't react this way, and whew, the winds changed and moved it. And, and it, that was always stories. A lot of times, like growing up in the church, those were the stories that we used to hear, Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, the parting of the Red Sea. Those were stories that we heard and we believed, and those were stories that were important to our Christian walk, and it was important to the faith of Hume Lake Christian Camps that God's hand was on this place. But until 2020, I hadn't experienced God's hand over this place. I'll never forget the day I walked in. Well, we weren't allowed to walk in. We were on a Zoom meeting. What do you call a Zoom meeting when you don't walk into a Zoom meeting? You appear on a Zoom meeting, I guess. And the team appeared, and we were trying to figure out, where are we going? And this, the, the, the uh, leadership team, the board had met and said, you know, if God doesn't provide $6 million, we're going to close the doors. Shut it down. Hibernate. Lay everyone off. And we came to the number six million for us not to do that. I'll never forget that look on the screen's faces of Tim and Aubrey and Mike and Sue. When we said six million dollars, we have to go race. You had never done that in one time in our history. God changed the wind and blew fire. That's a whole different thing in my mind. And we said, how are we going to do it? We started talking, what, what are we going to do? And I said, first thing we're going to do is just begin to ask God to, to show us how. I remember talking to um, uh, Chris Brown on the phone. And, and he and I were talking that because I was trying to pick some pastors that are well-known historical figures in the ministry of would they do a video to just say how important Hume was. And so we did a series of pastoral videos. And I remember when I called Chris, I said, dude, it's like we're on, now we're on the front lines of the ministry. It used to be, or, or still is, but it, you know those, the, the, the summer staffers, the kids, the, the, the counselors that get to be with the kids in the, in the cabin? I've never been a counselor at Hume Lake with the kids. To me, that's the front line. Or to see, you know, a Rich Baker or a Sarah Danes or whoever it is on the stage presenting the program and the gospel to students. But now we found ourselves suddenly in the front lines of the ministry because there was no camp. We canceled summer of 2020. And we saw God from a, a front line foxhole. Do in all authority take care of his camp through you. And, and we got to see him do abundantly more than we ever asked or thought. And now we've come out of the pandemic, and one of 
Lynn and I talk often about one of my greatest fears of coming out of that intense moment is that I become like the Israelites who seven days after they crossed the Red Sea started grumbling about Moses. Man, we never want to lose that. I never want to forget what it was like to stand in the middle of the Red Sea, figuratively, and see the water and hear Pharaoh and see God work. As we, as we look to the future of what we're asking the Lord to do here at the lake, paradigms are changing. I know you're experiencing the same thing we're experiencing. Our electric bill went up 27% this summer. So for a week of camp, a month of July, our utility bill went from $85,000 a month to $140,000 a month. And that's, that's not new. That's not unique to us. That's the world in which we find ourselves. And so that reserve that summer creates was, whoops. Do you realize how much propane Hume Lake uses every month? Starting, well, maybe this weekend it started already. We did at our house. And we've seen inflation at rates that we haven't seen for 40 years. And, and it's easy that I want to go, if the guys in office would just do, it would solve all of our problems. <laughs> if he would just open pipelines, or if we could bring back somebody from the past who would open pipelines, all of our problems would be solved. I don't think so. All authority only belongs to one person. And so as we fix our eyes on Jesus moving into 2023, as we end 2022, it doesn't matter what happens Tuesday. It matters what is the one who holds the authority going to accomplish. And here at the lake, this last summer, when we talked about truth, to a generation that is longing for someone to be honest with them and share the truth, we saw God change lives as 17, 18-year-olds struggling with things that I can't even fathom that I would have struggled with as a 17-year-old. I know what sex I am. I know who I'm going to fall in love with and what gender she will be. Because there's an authority there. And when we had the opportunity this summer to share truth be told to, a, to an audience of junior hires, high schoolers, you heard what, uh, Jeb last night, the little dudes, and what Dallas is doing up in Joshua, God's using the truth of his word to change hearts. And that's the mission of Yume Lake Christian Camp here at the lake. And that is the mission of what God is doing in New England. I've had the privilege now in the last six months to be in New England twice. And uh, 
Uh, Rochelle, who's on board with the development team now, was the first program director in U at UM New England 12, 11, 10, whatever, how many years? 11 years ago. And we took UM, that ministry, the mission of who we are, and took it to New England. And it has been so fun to watch God begin to work. Now, it's a challenge. Someone described it to me this way, and this is the one that makes sense to me because whenever we didn't live in California, when we would visit California, we always, I mean, the first, almost the first thing we'd do if we landed LAX, the, there's an In-N-Out burger. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, my kids still talk about, Dad, where, where's the In-N-Out? And we went, we go to In-N-Out Burger. And so if you, Lake Christian Camps, is In-N-Out Burger, the best Christian camp in the world. It's just how I believe. We took that In-N-Out Burger, and we built an In-N-Out in Massachusetts. And the people of Massachusetts went, in a what? What's a double-double? What are animal-style fries? I never heard of it. Never heard of such a thing. And so we, we took the In-N-Out burger, and for 11 years now, we have been promoting, selling, advertising. What a great burger, a double-double with grilled onions, cheese, fries, and a chocolate milkshake is. And what we're starting to see is that first we're like, don't bring this California thing to New England. We don't want it. But, all, but this last year, 44% growth in new churches coming to you, New England. And, it's, and they're, they're, they're like, ooh. Maybe in and out every now and again isn't a bad thing. <laughs> and youth pastors are starting to go, who, I'm bringing my youth group to in and out I, I want the programmatic things where I can just be with my kids and I don't have to worry about the speaker. I don't have to worry about the recreation. I don't have to worry about the music. I don't have to worry about the worship. I don't have to worry about the food. And uh, that same things we've been doing here is now beginning to take root in New England. Has it cost us resources? Absolutely. But we believe that God's called us go to that place. He opened up the doors 10 years ago, and I won't recite all those things because of time, but God said go. We went, and now we're starting to see the fruit of some of that labor. I had the privilege this last summer of sitting, and three weeks ago, sitting with the former Keswick board. Keswick was the camp that was about to close their doors and approached you. If you can just take our debt, which was for 350 acres in the Berkshires of New England for like $700,000. It's like, holy smokes, how do we say no to that? But let's bring the in and out over here and we'll <laughs> teach them what an in and out is. And we're, we're teaching what in and out is. It's still the same biblically-based camping experience for youth. And we're starting to see some guest groups go, hey, there's $15 million worth of investment in that property over the last 11 years. And there's this brand new lodges, three of them now. And 
do ropes course. And they do ropes. What's that? And we're seeing God begin to do a work in New England. And then in 2019, um, God began to stir in another area. He said, you guys are really doing well with the In-N-Out Burger in New England. Stay with the course. Keep trying to teach them what, you know, there's a secret menu. They don't, we haven't introduced the secret menu yet. Because we're still trying to get them to eat an In-N-Out Burger, a double-double. But then he said in 2019, hey, in the mountains of San Bernardino County, they already know what an In-N-Out Burger is. Why don't you build an In-N-Out Burger there? We said, sure, we love In-N-Out Burger. We love the ministry of youth camping. And uh, we took another man's vision to put a camp in the San Bernardino Mountains. And they said to us, hey, Chuck Smith had a vision of what could be here. But we're really a church. We're really not a camp. We're really Burger King, and we're trying to run in and out. And the special orders really do upset us. <laughs> it's that dynamic. And they said, wait, you guys are in and out. You are the best. How about if we let you rent this facility from us for five years, and if it really goes well, we'll give you another five? And if it really goes well, how about if we offer you 300 acres or so, 261 acres, I think, right, Bob? For $5 million in the San Bernardino Mountains of Southern California. So we opened up In-N-Out Burger in, so, in Southern California, Hume, SoCal. And it's been amazing to see because people are like, oh, new, there's a new In-N-Out in town. You ever, I don't know where you guys live, but you know that when they put the new In-N-Out in? <laughs> where was I recently? Visalia. They put one in on Route 63. If you come up that way in Visalia, they just built a brand new In-N-Out. I went like the second day it was open. <laughs> that was dumb. Two hours later, I finally got my double-double because I was wrapped around. If you know where the Arco station is, they had a line on the Arco side of the road, and they had a cop there just, you know, directing traffic. Did it stop me from getting in and out? No, because it's the best burger. And we're seeing God do that work in Southern California because in spite of all of this, things that are happening in our culture, society with gas prices at $7 a gallon or whatever it is, I talked to a church that said, if we're going to come to Hume next summer, it's $25,000 in buses. For $10,000, I can go 90 minutes to the San Bernardino Mountains and have the exact same experience. In my illustration, I can have a double-double, and it tastes the same as the double-double up here. The only problem is... There's only 345 beds, and the line is starting to get out the door. And the traffic's starting to go over to the Arco station, and we're trying now to figure out, God, what are you doing? Where are we going? And we're in the process of that because God's doing these amazing works in these places. If you uh, know the program team here at the lake, if you know Sarah 
Danes and Mikey in Ponderosa, or you could be Jeb last night, or, or Dallas. There's also the, the, the lake saying, the restroom needs to be remodeled here. The pews over in need a little love and care as well. So we're in the process now of asking God, how do we balance these things? Where will the resources come from? And I come back to this term. All authority belongs to him. I don't know where $100 million is going to come from, but I don't have to. If he can raise Lazarus from the dead, which we've witnessed with our own eyes, the resources for you in my Christian camps aren't a problem. Stay true to the mission, and he'll provide where we're going. So John, as I put you in the chair for a season, keep your eyes fixed on those things. That's where we're going as a ministry. There are a, a thousand stories I could talk for another hour. Tim, I don't know how long I'm allowed to talk, but I, I, I wanted to just, let, let me close with reminding us of, because Ceres told me that we've arrived at our destination. We made it successfully through the pandemic. And now it's time to find out what God's going to take us on the next journey in these places. Here at the lake, back in New England, and in SoCal. He's put great people in all those places. Bobby in SoCal's doing an amazing job. He's taken that UM DNA and he's plugged it in there, and that team is growing and loving what they're doing. Strained and opportunities are huge. Winter camp is sold out, is what you told me yesterday, or told my wife yesterday, or told you told somebody yesterday, Bob, that winter camp sold out. Summer registrations just opened, and the need, the need is amazing because those students that are struggling in the world in which they live are being told the truth, and the truth will set them free. Lord, thanks for what you're doing here at Eum Lake Christian Camps, at the lake in Massachusetts, in New England, in SoCal, in the mountains of San Bernardino County. Lord, it's exciting, it's humbling, but I'm reminded when we worship you, you have the authority to do it all. Lord, remove the doubts from our hearts. Remind us that you are the authority and we will take the gospel to these places. We pray for this in the name of Jesus. Amen.